So welcome to MRS Bulletin's Materials News. Uh, my name is Gopal Rao. I am the editor of MRS Bulletin, and I'm very pleased today to be talking with Professor Marcus Bueller, professor at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT. Marcus is also editor of the MRS Bulletin Impact section that publishes original research. Today, we are discussing recent work in Marcus's group that was published very recently in APL Bioengineering, uh, the journal. The paper is on sonification-based de novo protein design using artificial intelligence, structure, prediction, and analysis using molecular modeling. So Marcus, thanks very much for talking with us today. Thanks and for having to start, me. Um, to start, can you explain in broad terms what this work is about and the specific findings? Yeah, so my lab is interested in uh, studying materials, especially mechanical, biological, chemical functionalities. We're interested in bio-inspired materials, and one of the really important classes of bio-inspired materials are those made from proteins. Proteins are really the basic building material for all living organisms. Um, all of our bones, skin, tissues, organs, hair, everything's made from proteins. Um, and so we're interested in, in, in studying proteins and how proteins derive their function from their ultimate encoding in DNA. And this paper really uh, tries a novel approach in understanding how proteins can be modeled and uh, ultimately designed, um, especially creating new proteins that nature hasn't invented yet. And in this paper, we have um, uh, tried to use a, a different approach where we look at uh, treating a protein structure, a protein design, um, as a, a language. And the language we're using here is a language of sound or music. So we're using an expression of a protein in its vibrational spectrum as musical representation to understand the broad class of proteins and how they're built and then using an artificial intelligence algorithm to after it has learned how natural proteins are designed in the musical space to come up with new designs by creating new sounds essentially that then can be translated back into a material. So we go from matter to sound and sound to matter and we're using AI as a vehicle to learn and speak the natural language that proteins are using to express themselves. So, um... Clearly, this is a very good example of how artificial intelligence or AI can be leveraged for materials research. This is one area. Can you maybe elaborate a little bit more about the AI approach here and how this could be translated perhaps to other areas of materials research? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what we, when we think about a, a, a protein, um, it's really ultimately created by um, through a sequence of amino acids, which are in turn encoded by DNA. And so what we um, can do, we can think of these uh, sequences of letters of DNA or, or amino acids, which form the protein really as a, as a sort of a language, which um, doesn't make any sense to the human brain. We don't understand how to, uh, how to realize or, or create new proteins in this language. But AIs are very good in, in learning new languages, uh, learning the relationship between patterns, words, sentences, structures, functions, and so forth. And what we've done is really uh, using this ability of an AI to understand relationships between complex hierarchical patterns at different 
length and time scales, which uh, can be um, uh, taught through a data set of existing proteins. We have um, large data sets in the protein data bank, for instance, where we can understand how these patterns of amino acids, these, these languages, relate to structures and functions. And we can use this data set to train an AI to um, be able to distinguish or come up with new protein designs. And uh, that's what we've done here. We've essentially uh, um, attempted to learn to speak the language of proteins, um, and once we can do this, uh, we can use it very effectively to create new sequences of amino acids. And in a way, this um, idea, of course, can be applied to many other um, systems in material science. The um, language is really a representation of what we call a microstructure. And in a protein, uh, ultimately, the microstructure is defined by this amino acid sequence. In other materials, um, the microstructure could, be, um, could resemble combinations of different materials, stiff and soft materials, or chemically different materials, or even gradients of materials that form a microstructure, which can occur at multiple length scales and time scales. And in very similar ways, these kind of AI methods can be applied to those as well, of course. We can, um, if we have a data set, we can learn how microstructures or patterns of microstructures relate to function, and then use these algorithms to come up with new materials. And the reason why this is uh, very attractive for the materials design community, of course, is that uh, these AI methods, once trained, are very fast, very efficient. We can uh, very quickly come up with new designs, which we can then put into conventional physics-based or chemistry-based modeling techniques. So these techniques are very important. Once we have a design, we want to validate this. Um, we want to actually create a computer model of the actual chemical interactions between the atoms to resemble whatever mechanical, biological, um, or other properties we might be interested in, and ultimately also make it experimentally. We can then uh, use these candidates of designs and make them experimentally as well. Um, but the, the, com the, the process of coming up with microstructures or coming up with new protein designs is usually very time consuming and AI is a very efficient way of coming up, very quickly coming up with new ideas and how we might evolve materials design. And we're kind of following nature's paradigm in a way. Nature uh, uses this um, paradigm of, of evolving different microstructural designs or different amino acid sequences and coming up with proteins um, that work really well for purposes of biology. And we can speed up this process, of course. We can model this process computationally. We can, we can make mutations in the protein. We can study how variations of microstructures affect the outcome and ultimately select the highest performing candidates. And those are the ones we want to pursue further. Very interesting, the AI um, angle here and how this is an excellent example of leveraging AI for materials research. Now, one of the aspects of this work uh, that has truly fascinated a number of people is this connection of protein sequences and structural information to musical scores with different pitches. Uh, and this is truly fascinating. Can you explain why this is a useful way to look at protein structure? Yeah, so when we think about AI methods in material science and you know, coming back a little bit to the previous question you asked, which is really an excellent question in how, what role AI can play in materials modeling, one of the really big challenges is how do we represent a material, a material system or an individual material or the context of a material, how do we represent that in a data set? How do we take the, the actual material behavior and move it into a, a language or a description that an AI method and algorithm can actually work with it. And um, this preparation of data set is really one of the most challenging things actually about using AI methods. 
um, in, in, in the application of, of materials design, materials modeling. And what we have done in this particular case of connecting um, music or musical scores with proteins um, sort of is really addressing this very problem. And, and we have come to this actually through an analysis, of course, of a protein design, which, which really involves um, structures across different length and time scales. When we think about a protein, we have the primary sequence, which we talked about already. It's the really the structure encoded by DNA, different amino acids, which, the, which then form um, patterns, which um, form different kinds of what we call secondary structures, like an alpha helix or a beta sheet or other kinds of structures. These then in turn form higher level structures. Uh, they fold into more complex shapes. And then a lot of times when we think about protein materials from a materials perspective, we really are talking about many different proteins coming together to form a larger material. So the proteins form monomers or building blocks of even larger structures like fibrils or fibers, ultimately forming the shapes of bones and tissues and so forth. And this kind of hierarchical structuring is very similar to what we find in the construction of music as well. We think about music, we have ultimately uh, some vibrational structure like a sine wave. We can create the sound of different instruments by manipulating the sine waves in the sine wave in different ways. We can change the volume over time. So you could imagine a sine wave that's continuously played at the same volume um, or a sine wave that is loud in the beginning and then decays very rapidly in terms of the volume. Uh, you get more of a plucking sound like a guitar or piano or as, as opposed to uh, a sine wave that would be continuously played at the same volume, sounds more like a trumpet maybe. Right? So by, by modulating sound or pitch um, and actually combining multiple sine waves, not just a single sine wave, we can create the structure, the sound of different musical instruments. Then these musical instruments are used to play melodies. Uh, you can hear in, in music that uh, usually it's not a single melody. There's actually multiple melodies playing against each other or after one another. Uh, there are chords, which are basically tones played simultaneously and the chord progressions where the chords evolve over time. And then of course you have um, many different instruments, many different of these ideas of chords, melodies playing um, at the same time in an orchestra for instance, in classical music. And this structure you can see from the description, hear from the description is very similar to how materials and especially proteins are designed. They really follow a very similar hierarchical structure. This sort of was the first idea that we had and we saw the analogy of of materials, proteins, and music. But the connection is actually even deeper in that uh, when we think about materials of matter, um, think about a protein in particular, when you look at this material under a, a very accurate microscope and you have high time resolution, you'll find of course that these atoms are continuously vibrating and moving. And a molecule like an amino acid building block of a protein or a protein in itself has a characteristic pattern of vibrations, uh, which are composed of all the individual um, eigenmodes or frequencies that, this, uh, that the chemical structure um, endows it with. And so when you think about a protein molecule or building block of a protein or multiple proteins, each of these building blocks really have a unique sound. And we can compute these sounds by using uh, quantum mechanical methods. And uh, so we can then uh, understand a, a description of a building block uh, not only based on a letter, but we can actually assign a unique sound to it. And this uh, sound is unique, we've found. Um, in fact, we can describe all the 20 naturally occurring amino acids as unique tones, sort of tones on a keyboard. And um, larger structures can be encoded also in the audible space, 
by thinking about a folding as a process by which multiple melodies are overlaid on top of each other. So we can code not only the sequence, but also the structure of the protein actually at multiple length scales. And this um, coding in musical space, which is really based on the physics of vibrations between the atoms and molecules, allows us thereby to translate um, a protein structure geometry into a totally different space of vibrations and frequencies, which then um, is, um, is a unique way of training an AI. So it's sort of a, a way of creating a data set for AI. And what's unique about this also is that it's not only a way into um, sound or music, but also the other way around. As we've said in the beginning, um, we can actually translate sound back into a protein by analyzing the spectrum of a sound and its evolution over time and uh, then reconstructing what protein has actually created the sound. And this is what we used in the paper. We, we use the, um, the translation of a protein into musical scores to, uh, to encode data to train the AI. The AI can then compose new music and we can then use that new music that's been composed not by a human, but by an artificial intelligence algorithm to then uh, translate that back into an amino acid sequence, which then we can do further analysis with. We can either make the protein in the lab, which is something we're currently doing. Um, in the paper already, we have used uh, the newly designed proteins and, that, and its simulations. We went back and, and actually created a physical model um, based on uh, molecular dynamic simulations of a protein we've designed um, and simulated that and, and follow the trajectory of atoms as it follows basically Newton's law. So we, we went back and tested whether this protein that the AIS designed can actually exist, at least in a computer. And preliminary results that we have done um, since the paper was published suggest that these proteins actually are also stable in a lab, so we can make them also experimentally. So this thing is very exciting because it allows us to um, design proteins, make proteins experimentally, simulate proteins, model proteins, uh, completely through a, a very different type of language, which is sound. And that sort of opens a lot of new opportunities for designing proteins. Not only can we use AIs to do that, but you can potentially assume that um, humans can do that as well. So if we listen to enough proteins, we begin to understand how different proteins sound like. And um, as a human composer, you could then come up with new music that's a variation of an existing protein, or maybe a combination of different types of sounds or patterns or themes you might have heard in existing proteins, and thereby come up with a new protein. And one other thing that's uh, very interesting, actually, when we, when we design the new protein using AI methods, uh, we have confirmed that the protein that has been designed through the algorithm doesn't exist in nature. So in other words, it's not a protein that, the, that nature has already invented. It's actually a protein that nature has not yet invented, which makes it really interesting. Now, sometimes in the algorithm, uh, you will discover proteins that nature has also come up with. Maybe that weren't, they weren't in the training set that the algorithm hasn't seen, but nature has also invented. But this protein that we have studied in more detail in the paper is one that um, nature hasn't actually invented yet. And so it's a really interesting, uh, it was really interesting to see that protein on the computer screen. And then also right now we're making the protein, we're analyzing the protein because it's really something that um, nature hasn't invented yet. And it's very different from anything nature has made. We don't know what protein does. Um, so we're very careful in, in handling the specimen, of course, because we don't know um, whether this protein is uh, toxic or not, what kind of properties it might have. Um, but that's sort of the exciting space. We're really entering a new, a new era. Think about creating materials, not through pencil and paper and looking at sequences, but through an entirely different space that allows the human brain to access 
creative avenues. Um, our brains are very good in, in creating language and creating sound and music and composing. Um, the question is, can we utilize some of those strengths of the human brain, not the AI, but the human brain, in coming up with new material solutions? Um, fascinating, very, very much indeed. So you touched upon this aspect a little bit, that pro the proteins design or a protein design in this work has been um, realized experimentally in the lab, at least in a preliminary sense. Can you expand on that? And yes. what are the future plans in this area? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we have made a couple of those sequences that we have come up with in the paper, um, and we're currently in the process of analyzing them. Um, uh, several of them are stable, meaning they can be expressed and they can be made physically. So we have a, 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 a tube. I, I don't have it here with me, but I have it in the lab. And, um, and you can actually, you can't see the protein, obviously, it's in solution, but, but it is in there. And, you know, it's really fascinating to see the materialization of that protein that you have you know, maybe a couple of weeks ago, we've heard the protein only, um, and it's created by this algorithm, and it actually makes the real material. And so that's something we're doing for a couple of proteins we've made in the paper, but also we have um, a whole series of other algorithms we're working with right now that make um, maybe less dramatic inventions of proteins. What I mean by that is the protein that we have made here is really one that nature hasn't invented, not even close. And that was the purpose of that study. It was one that we, we wanted to make a protein that nature has not even come up with in an even close way. Um, but we've also now algorithms where we can make variations of existing proteins, such as silk proteins or collagen proteins. We're finishing a study right now on collagen where we, we design specifically proteins that form triple helical structures um, and that, that aren't um, very different from uh, natural proteins, but they are distinct. And so what we're trying to do with that is to see whether we can make proteins that are going to be collagen or silk proteins or elastin proteins, but that have distinct properties. So they're not, um, they're in the same class of proteins and they could potentially be used as implants for tissue engineering applications or for maybe bioelectronic applications, uh, but that have unique properties like certain stabilities or elastic properties, um, optical properties and other things like that. So that's truly very interesting and I look forward to hearing more uh, in, the, in the coming year and beyond about continuing work uh, in this area. I want to shift uh, uh, the direction a little bit. You are the editor of the new MRS Bulletin Impact section, uh, my colleague, uh, and the Impact section publishes original research. Now, the first Impact article has just been published along with the accompanying perspective article. Can you talk a little bit about this first article and your plans for future Impact articles? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's very exciting. We have recently began in a, in a really exciting initiative at MRS to um, add a, a section of original research to MRS Bulletin. MRS Bulletin is the flagship journal, of course, at, at MRS um, and has a strong component of review articles and uh, themed articles and editorial content historically. Now we added a section of original research to that. And I think it's an exciting opportunity for the members of MRS and really anyone around the world in materials research to to uh, publish, to submit, and also find cutting edge high impact research articles that really are changing the status quo of what materials research is doing at this moment. I think we're very excited and the community is very excited. And um, yeah, a few days ago, in fact, um, we had uh, the pleasure of, of seeing um, the first two articles being published. Um, the original research article accompanied by a perspective article. And 
that's what we're doing at MS Build and Impact. We, we're trying to combine um, the original research uh, results with a perspective of uh, usually written by leading researchers in the field to provide context for what this advance really has, um, has made and what the advance is about and what it, how it fits into the bigger picture of material science advances in the world right now. This uh, paper, the first paper where it came out is written by Julia Greer's group of coworkers. And uh, that paper deals with uh, one of the very challenging problems at this point is how to make more resilient and better, more reliable batteries and how to understand the failure of batteries, which we all know is a big problem. And, uh, is connected really ultimately to materials phenomena, especially mechanical phenomena and how materials form within the batteries and how these material structures formed within the batteries can actually disrupt the performance, the electrochemical performance of the battery. And uh, Julia Gray's article is fascinating in, in many ways, but one is that it actually combines the, the topic of batteries and energy storage with, um, in effect, uh, uh, a problem that I'm very familiar with myself, which is size effects of materials. She, she shows that the formation of nanostructured materials within batteries um, creates extremely strong nanoscopic structures, which actually, because they're so small, because they're so strong, can very effectively disrupt the, uh, the optimum performance of batteries, which of course, in this case, is undesired. So a lot of times we wanna make materials that are very strong and resilient, in this case, um, strong and resilient materials occur are created by accident. And so Julia's article really allows us to have a pathway now to understanding ways of mitigating this and potentially creating batteries that um, do not have this undesired effect. So it's a really um, fascinating article and very fitting to be the first article to come out. Um, perspective article gives the perspective to that work. Um, and um, we have several papers in the pipeline. We're going to be seeing um, a lot of articles coming out into the fall. And uh, we also look forward to having submissions from the broader materials community um, of articles to this new section. And uh, more announcements will be coming out. You're going to be hearing a lot about that, especially at the upcoming MRS fall meeting. Um, but we're welcoming submissions. So we invite everyone um, who has a great paper, um, significant advances coming of original research to consider submitting us to MRS Bold and Impact. Marcus, congratulations on uh, publishing the first uh, Bulletin Impact article. And of course, for your excellent and very interesting work that we talked about today. And I look forward to talking more about both of these uh, in the future. Thank you again for joining us today. Thank you so much, Kupal. My name is Gopal Rao from the Materials Research Society. For more news, please visit the MRS Bulletin website at mrsbulletin.org. And you can also follow us on Twitter at MRS Bulletin. Thank you again for listening.